there's a whole history that goes back hundreds of years and some really famous pieces that are from like the 15th century and they're absolutely beautiful. They sound incredible that that was what was made then because they sound so current and kind of quite avant-garde. You know, I just imagine them sitting in the court of the McDonald's or something in Sky in the 14th century listening to this mad, you know, like mad drone music. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tapping the Flow with your host, Stephen William Hard. This week I'm joined by experimental, folk, traditional, electronica, soundscape artist Catherine Rudy, who hails from Betty Hill on the northern shoreline of Scotland. It is one of the most northerly places on the map that's actually part of the mainland. Her music comes from a place that I've never ever experienced in my life before. I've never heard such an amalgamation of influence, yet it has a continuity to it, it has an earthly nature to it, it draws on your soul, but throws in different snippets of life as well. It's like, um, it's it's really impossible to describe it. Um, the best thing to do is to play a song from the record and then we'll dive into the conversation. But before we do that, I just wanted to say that it's been a phenomenal pleasure for me to interview Catherine. She asked me two years ago to work on her album and she sent me some songs and they blew me away. Within the conversation, you'll hear how if you're driven to do something, you'll do it, no matter what. If you've got something to say, you'll say it. And I think that's particularly applicable now in 2021. Still in the middle or some way into a pandemic, uh, unable to do the things we used to be able to do, but we're still able to be creative. So again, thank you for joining. This is Harbour of Grudges by Catherine Ruddy. Secrets sleep in winter 
Can you hear me? I, I can. Yeah, I can. Yeah, hold. I might have to put my volume down a little bit. Okay, no worries, no worries. Um, can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you. I'm just like trying to light a fire and uh, nice. get, getting my tea sorted out and running around like a madman. And um, because it's snowing outside, is well, it? It is snowing here in Suffolk, and oh. it, it couldn't be more apt to speak to you with the snow coming because. Uh, you're from Scotland, and uh, you're probably <laughs> used to the snow at this point, right? Well, we, we've had a lot, although it's all gone at the moment. So um, I'm quite I'm quite jealous. Cause no way. There's no that. snow. Yeah. There's, I mean, where my sister is in Aberfeldy, at yeah. seven foot, it's, there's tons of it. But in Glasgow, yeah. not quite not quite so much. Oh, wow. Amazing. Right. So it feels very apt for me to talk to you, um, particularly as you're from the far northern seaboard, right, of Scotland. I am. Yeah, I'm from, like, uh, have you ever been? I'm right on the north coast of Scotland, or that's where I came from, which yeah. is like a place called Betty Hill. Yeah. And it's um, it's the only English place name on the whole of the north coast, and because uh, everything else is in Gaelic. And right. um, it's tiny, it's like 200 people, and right basically on, yeah, onto the North Sea. It's just like, um, you can see Orkney on a fine day. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's amazing. I have this image in my head of you um, standing there with your bagpipes playing to the sea, you know, because I thought that you were a piper, right? That's what you've, that's what you started as. Yeah, we, um, so I was about 13 and um, there was a a woman that moved back to the village called Nanny, Nanny Duel, she was called, and she decided that the village should have a pipe band. And so there's, there's always been a tradition of pipers in Betty Hill. Um, and so there was a lot of bagpipers anyway, and uh, so but and quite a few female bagpipers, bagpipers, which is quite unusual. Yeah. But so she recruited lots of young people that might not have been in that world, and um, so my brother and sister became drummers for this pipe band, and uh, then um, I became a because there was no drummers slots left, mm. I had to take on bagpipes, and uh, so I learned. I started to learn them and then went on and became a yeah bagpiper and played with a pipe band for years until I was about 18 and left home. Wow. And uh, we were a very ramshackle pipe band unit. But we you know we went all around the north coast and played at um, little um highland games and things like that and um it was really it was fantastic and uh, yeah I probably I played for the queen mother that was my wow. Uh, it was, we played for her. She, I can't remember where it was, but I remember there was a pier and she sort of toddled along and she was absolutely tiny and we all had to kind of stand to attention as she went past us. And, wow. Uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Like, I've, I, I don't know, ever since um, your album, and obviously we worked on your album, was it two years ago? 
Yeah. I yeah. I had this thing in my head, like, cause, because I grew up in, in Southwest Ireland, I was always into sort of like very sort of folky kind of elements. And then I moved yeah. to London and the sounds of the city sort of transformed my desire for my sonic landscape. And I wondered if like for yourself, I have this image in my head of you standing on the, on, on the coast of Betty Hill, playing the pipes to the sea and then coming to London and then obviously creating the most unique soundscape that I've heard in many, many years. I wondered if the city had done that to you as well in some way. Yeah, I mean, I think I think so. It, maybe not. It's not so much the city, but it's the it's the people that you encounter and the and um, you know the um, there's just so many other influences coming in from from all over and yeah. um, and so that's you can't. I didn't feel like I could go back and just make folk music as if it was you know nothing had happened and um but but i mean the original folk music always talked about the place that it was in and the events and things that were going on and um so it feels to me quite natural within that tradition too Mm -hmm. and um a lot of the sounds of the city like drones and you, you know the more industrial noises they're not that bagpipes are you know like they're the original drone music mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're quite experimental sound and uh, especially some of the like Pibra you know like the old the big mu- the big music like Pibrachs and people and just that um, I don't know if you know that those because they're they're the ones that go on for 20 minutes and they have very small variations and they're almost like the classical music of bagpipes and I was never as a piper I was never good enough to play them you have to be like like you know, that really, really good to in order to play these pieces because yeah. your sense of timing has to be perfect. And um, but to me, sort of that kind of electronic sounds feel reminiscent of that type of bagpipe music. I don't think you know it doesn't feel like they clash at all. They're quite complementary. I thought so. I th- I think that there's something about the instrument that you use, the rolly keyboard, right? Which is it has notes yeah. between the notes, and I guess a bagpipe has that if you as you breathe upon the note, right? Yeah, that's exactly. Well, it you, you you don't have breath control with bagpipes. You know, mm. basically you're blowing as hard as you can the uh-huh, whole okay. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you you are, and then you you know you're keeping the whole thing going in a very very steady. The, the whole point is to keep the breath absolutely steady, and the sound to be steady. But what you can do is vary the note with your fingers so that you can slide across notes. You can like hit them really quickly, and so you can create a variety that way. And so, um, so the rolly to me feels a bit like the sliding, like you know, like when you're playing the bagpipes, it's like you you kind of curve into a note sometimes, yeah. and you create variation. And so the rolly did feel very much in that territory. Yeah. Um, and actually, if you transfer to keyboard, there it's, it's actually not that different. Yeah. In, in even when you're playing, once yeah. you get your brain into it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, it's funny we've dived straight into the creativity side of because I've always been keen to ask you this. Um, bear with me a second to tan the fire down a bit. Yeah, no. <laughs> it looks you've got an inferno. You're very good at lighting the fire. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got the knack for lighting fires. Yeah, it's, uh, mm. I'm not sure where that came from, but there you go. Um, mm. It's 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 funny with so I'm I'm always always about the influence of the of, of your environment upon your creativity. You know, this is this is about trying to explore that. Uh, yeah. Let's let's start with the with the the dons and the kings of the bagpipe world. To do so requires a certain element of technique, right? Um, yeah. And a certain um, fluidity and stillness within your being to do so. I guess to to have a mastery of your craft. 
um, mm. to sort of like to it's more it's almost transcendental meditation in some ways to get to attain a 20 minute long drone piece like that right yeah yeah and to listen to it so I mean right. I, could, I could never really I couldn't play that you know like because um you know I started playing the bugpipes quite late and um but sitting and listening to it is a meditative experience and mm. I mean I'll quite happily listen to a whole album of of Pibrachs and you know and and um, I'm I'm getting a bit sort of I don't know much about it I hesitate to talk about it because okay. someone will tell me that I'm talking shit but like you know like um there's a whole history that goes back hundreds of years and some really famous pieces that are from like the 15th century and and um, they're absolutely beautiful and they are a bit they sound incredible that that was what was made then because they sound so current and kind of quite avant-garde you know and um, <laughs> they are you know yeah. and then they are amazing I, I just imagine them sitting in the court of the mcdonald's or something in sky in the 14th century listening to this mad you know like mad drone music what was the what was the influence on them though do you think it was this communion with the sea and the hills and the spirits of the mountains yeah mm. i think um so I think like, I don't, I mean, I, I can only guess and I'm not an expert, but I imagine mm. that like they, they had families of pipers. So they would start, you know, and um, it was always males. Was, I don't, women only started playing, you know, like when, when things had gone really to pot, then women were allowed to play. But like, <laughs> um, uh, but it, you know, there would be generations of them that would play. So father to son to son to son. And then that kind of immersion in music over generations, I think creates, you know, like you just go further and further into that sound. Yeah. And then obviously the, the landscape itself is just incredible. Yeah. And, you know, space incredibly. Uh, and they, um, I also, it was quite a, my understanding is it wasn't quite, it was always quite a military thing. So you'd, you'd have a piper standing on top of a hilltop but not maybe not always. I think there's a beautiful one. Oh, what's it? It's is it McCrimmon's Lament, which was written after he'd lost, which is quite relevant. I think he lost eight children to a pandemic. And, oh and so dear. He, yeah. Oh. So he wrote, you know, he wrote this incredibly poignant and beautiful piece that was just like, you know, and um, I tried to do a, a version of it. Um, uh, or used it in a piece during the pandemic, like much earlier on, like in like yeah. May time. But you, I'm only touching the surface. I was very cautious about even going near it mm -hmm. because you just feel like I needed so much more knowledge to really do it justice, you know? Yeah, you need you need to absorb the whole ethos behind why it exists, don't you, to really tap into it. Like, I mean, I, like I, I sometimes have to write songs, like people send me briefs to write a song. They might say like, can you make a song that's this, that, and the other? I wonder what the brief was for the 14th century piper on the hill. You know, what do you reckon? I don't. I don't know. You like compose music, or you're not getting fed. You know. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so there was because there was a there was a, as far as I I hope I'm not saying this wrong, but like as far as I know, there was a court, and so there was a whole kingdom, and you know, there was a lot of it. It was a proper court with a king and everything, and so they kept these pipers. And, um, and then clan chiefs as well, they would all have a piper, a, a family of pipers, and they would keep them, you know, like they would give them their living and they would be provide the piping music for the clan or the court. Yeah. And um, so I imagine the brief was 
if you want to eat, <laughs> yeah. you know, compose this lament for <laughs> such and such or, you know, um, no pressure. Um, no pressure. Yeah, no, no, no pressure. But I mean, wasn't isn't that how music's always? You know, like it's only very recently that people have been able to compose it if they didn't have either they were very rich themselves mm -hmm. or they had someone who kept them like a patron. Exactly. And yeah. um, you know, it's I think it's only in the last hundred ish whatever yeah. years that people have been able to do it, no matter what their background is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. I'm... Well, apart. Apart from like lowly folk music, you know, but people full time making music. That, yeah. That's got to be fairly rare. I guess the briefs have changed. Mine are sometimes, can you make a music that sounds a bit yellow? I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll figure that really? out. Really? <laughs> yeah, you get that. Uh, there should be a dictionary of terms for uh, to translate what you're told by uh, by advertising people, you know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that's what you, that part of what you did, Stephen. That's I, amazing. I, I, I've been doing it for a while, you know, because it sometimes pays the bills and uh, it's an interesting yeah. one. But it's not my favourite thing to do in the world because I sometimes feel that I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like not channeling into my muse, I'm channeling into something else. And, but it's okay. It's, it's, it's a learning yeah. process. You learn about, crea about production techniques and stuff like that, you know. So I don't know if you know that I'm, I'm, a, desi I'm a graphic designer. And right. So at the moment, the moment I design food packaging for Marks and Spencer, that's oh, what yeah. I do in my day job. And um, so I've always maintained that having to create something to order, I don't think it's unhelpful in making mm. music because I, I think some people get they're very tied to the idea that you have to have the feeling or the muse. And actually, I think some discipline um, is actually a really good, a really good thing. If you just sit down and tell yourself just get on with it often you do you know like and and um, especially when you've got limited time mm -hmm. to to be creative i can totally attest to that being the case because i have a publisher who i could spend i spent four months in spain playing the guitar and stuff and then i couldn't come up with a song myself but as soon as my publisher sent me a brief i'd mm. have a fully pub uh, like produced and recorded and written song in three days like top drawer you know and it is so yeah. it is that there's nothing wrong with that we get caught oh. up in the artistry of it, but but I had this conversation with someone the other day about inspiration. We do need a certain level of inspiration to often for ourselves to validate the product that we're creating. So I mean, for yourself, um, mm. obviously the pipe pipe music and the inspiration of them having to feed themselves, or maybe they were told they didn't need their legs to play the bagpipes or whatever, you know that, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that sort of thing. But but for yourself, being being um, you. you to explain to people, the Roly has been a vital part of your sound, would you not say? Yes, it has. How but would that you describe was... it to a layman, the, the Roly? Um, what I'd say is that, so I, I suppose I should explain how I ended up with it as well, because you were talking about environments. And yes. actually, I was next door to the place where they made the Roly. Wow, okay. So that's that's how I got yeah. Like Basically, I was, I was in a studio that was next to the home of... Rowley, where they were, where in they Hackney. had their HQ, yeah, yeah. And I went, I went to a, a fancy dress party. I went to a Halloween party and played it, <laughs> and I went, wow. "Oh, these are cool." And then, and then because because I too was quite into the idea of using things from the world around me to mm -hmm. create. So like, and I just thought that it was so fortuitous that I had to use it because it was like, who else but me who lived next door could create and use it to make folk music from the door. Do you know what I mean? It's just like it felt like it was like a natural thing. And, um, but it's essentially had an experimental, it was originally, I, I don't suppose it's 
it, you know, it's been around for a while mm. now. It, the original original one was a full size piano keyboard, you know, like um, and it it has sensors underneath a kind of outer rubber top, which means that you can press in and you can create um, much more moderate modulated sounds than mm -hmm. you can with a keyboard, but you can still play it as a keyboard, and it comes with this incredible background software which means that you can program in practically any sound and then moderate it so um you know i could i could program in a, a scream and then get that scream to really go for it yeah. or you know or you could have a beautiful drone sound or and some people use it uh, i think in um especially in um uh, film soundtracks it's it's used quite a lot now um because it's it's really good for um you can make it sound like any string instrument and really give like beautiful you know like feeling to that instrument and it can mm -hmm. feel very i don't know what's so tactile and expressive yeah you know in, in a way that the keyboard can't and um and um so i mean i, I never usually i used it to create little riffs with weird bits and you know like i wasn't playing whole tune in a keyboard like proper keyboard style with it yeah but pe people do yeah um, yeah so you weren't you weren't like sitting there holding it in such a way as you i don't know how you hold it back <laughs> like, well you don't you 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 weren't like doing that or anything like that blowing well, into it sometimes like metaphorically metaphorically probably, you know yeah. like like I'm, like channeling the bagpipes but the thing yeah. with it is the, the thing that always annoyed me about the bagpipes is how bloody loud they are so you know i've had my bagpipes the entire time that i was in london i'm in glasgow now i play that i play them very rarely because they are just so loud and um i mean obviously i could get a, a little set of small pipes and um, i probably will do that as well now that yeah. i'm back in scotland and they're easier to get hold of what are they but, called small pipes yeah, well, there's small pipes, there's Northumbrian pipes, yeah. there's... We have the Ullian like, pipes Ullian, in Ireland as well, yeah. The Ullian pipes, they're all quite similar. Mm. And um, th you could sing with them because you don't you don't have to be blowing into them at the same time. Yeah. And so they're much more suited to a small band and, um, you know, like to the kind of like more softer sounds. Yeah. Um, but I just haven't, I haven't got one, so I got the Rolly instead. But... Um, yeah. Are you feeling the call now to play the bagpipes as you get further north? Yeah. Uh, what I've, I think the thing is, right, when you're younger, you don't appreciate the things that you learn. Mm. You know, like because they're so you're so used to them, and you sort of you go, oh god, that's so, that's just so not cool, you know. And then and then you go away and you try and learn all these new things. And then as I've got older, I've sort of begun to appreciate what I started off with, mm -hmm. and. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, yes, I probably would go back to them. And um, I think at the moment, I'm not very good on them, to be honest, you know, and it would take a bit of a run up to get back to like a competent level. And it's not so much the, the, um, the facility, it's more just like basically you run out of path, you go, <laughs> like yeah. and um, I need... I need a bit of time to, to do that. And it would be nice to have practice studios that are set up for bagpipes. I'd, I tried it once in Hackney and uh, apart, uh, Italians are really into bagpipes as a, as a nation, apparently. Wow. And um, I had quite a few people that I know that played bagpipes that went and basked in Italy and made lots of money. Yeah. 
when, when you could do that sort of thing. So there was an Italians that run this practice studios in Hackney and I went and asked them and they said, oh yes, you could come. We love the bagpipes. <laughs> and, and then after about three or four practices, they said, we're so sorry, but you're just too loud and we've oh. had complaints. Are you louder than the death metal band next door? Yeah, I'm wow. louder than everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, a, it's just that sort of, they were they were meant to carry across vast yeah. distances. That is their purpose. So yeah. Yeah. How's your hearing then? Well, that's so my hearing's okay, but everyone that plays the bagpipes for a long period of time goes deaf in that ear. I've heard this, yeah. Mm. And then the other thing is, um, sometimes the old old guys have been playing it, their teeth wear down. <laughs> so it's right. it's so um because uh, you really have to grip. There, there, there are certain is there, things. Is there a Scottish bagpipe casualty hospital? I wish there was. <laughs> or char- um, charity for disaffected bagpipe players. Oh, you know, like um, so you could you could sort of put money cor- towards their dentistry costs and healing aids in old age. I oh. did, yeah. I think that's quite sweet. I'd be like, yeah, it's but, very um, sweet. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I, it's um. I'm just wondering, as the closer you get back to the northern seaboard, are you feeling more attuned with what you started with? You know, I, I just again starting with the image of yeah. you on the northern seaboard with the bagpipes playing, going to London, going down Rowley Land, going back towards Scotland. Now, I wonder if there's a journey to be completed by going back to Betty Hill and standing there facing the wind and going, ah. <laughs> there, there, there might be, um, but with it like transformed by the time that's been been away. You know, like so, um, yeah. I, like. Also, to be honest, I have a, a lot of respect for the, the kind of folk music that's just been going on the whole time that I've been away, you know, like, and that, that I've only recently got to know more about. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not as if there aren't artists in the North Coast right now that are being quite experimental mm-hmm. or being really creative. They, they exist, you know, it's not. And um, so I'm cautious about just coming back in, oh, you know, oh, I've been in London, you know, like, I, Every, anything I do, I'd, I'd want to, I'd want to be care, like care, not not uncreative, but like careful about. You know, it's you, just you like, want to be respectful, don't you? Of course, yeah, 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 you, yeah you, definitely. You were um, so in Scotland. You were involved in music collectives before you went to London, I presume. Um, well, I ended up being so like as well as being a bagpiper, I was a Gaelic singer. So yeah. like, and that's that's also something that happened. Like, from a much earlier age, so from the age of about five, we were begun to be taught the sort of singing techniques of Gaelic song, and we were involved in very early, from very early age, with the, something called the mod, which is like a. It, there, there are local mods, and then there's a national mod, and it's basically a meeting of where you have lots of competitions in music and art and every bagpipe playing, and um, it's a, a sort of celebration of Gaelic culture mm-hmm. and uh, so I grew up in that and singing and, and um, there's specific really it's very subtle form of singing and uh, we got you know like and there's a lot of repetition involved in learning it and it's quite a disciplined way of singing but not like a co- very understated natural way of singing as well and um, so I did that for a long time um, you know, right up to 18 as well. So, but when I, I moved, then I was in Edinburgh and then I was in Dundee. Um, I didn't sing so much, but towards the, the end of my time in Scotland, I was in a, I was in a couple of bands mm. and I was in a, a, I was in one 
it was a what was it was called a it was it was kind of like a not what did they used to go? jungle it was a jungle collective oh nice okay and it, there was 15 of us yeah. And there was there was three singers, and one of the singers was called Noisy. So he was like <laughs> he was really super loud. And um, then there was me, and then there was another girl whose name I've forgotten now. And um, we played we, we played a few venues in Dundee, and uh, we were meant to support the freestylers. That was our oh, big yeah. gig. Yeah. And um, but then the the uh, I think something happened, and the, the venue burnt down or something. And uh, right. so and then I moved to. London and so I stopped but also when I was I was at art college in uh, Edinburgh and uh, I was in a, sh a shared studio with um, a couple of members of the Beta Band. Ah yeah who was and that? So, we, so uh, it was uh, Robin, jo Robin Jones and John McLean. Ah geez and, I know John uh, for years yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So he's fantastic man and um, yeah. so, do, cause it, so when I was in London I don't know him so well to be honest yeah. but I knew Robin better yeah. and um and 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 then when I was in Dundee, uh, John's dad, Will McLean, is a was a tutor at the art college. Right. And uh, I remember Will saying to me, "John's in a band, you know. I, I'm just not sure how it's going to go." <laughs> and uh, yeah. he did. I mean, the band were very successful. In their Let's time. not forget that they were an experimental band, and, and like apparently, very much so. apparently Tom York credits them with influencing Radiohead. So you know. We can't say. Yeah, you know, know, I mean, they were they were fantastic, and uh, but we used to for years and years. They would uh, John would DJ and yeah. Robin sometimes too in the art college after hours, and uh, they had they had a club in the We Red Bar in the art college, and we would all go to it. And so, it, but the the music that they ended up making felt very natural to that world, you know. Mm -hmm. And and it was it was yeah, they did they did really well. So when I moved to London, I used to they used to occasionally do a secret club. Did you ever, did you know him in London? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about Bad Is to the Bone? Yes. Oh, Jesus. I am talking about Bad to My the Bone. My mates run that, yeah. Paddy and uh, and Des, yeah. So you'd you'd have to go in, um, you'd go through the back into the lift. an elevator. In and then, yeah, and then go up. And there was no password. But if they didn't like the look of someone, they would say, what's the password? Know, and then yeah. they would be able to, to like, God, I got in, I got in arguments with the bouncer there many times in that lift. And that's not a nice space to be doing that. But I, I know that place well. It was Cambridge Heath Road. So my friend Paddy McCool and uh, John McLean and um, Des, Desi Ingram, used to run that. It was a fantastic night. Oh so we were God. probably at the same night together, you know. We were probably. Were. I, I remember, like, the first time I went there, um, you know, you went up in this grungy left and you're like, what the hell is this? And then the doors opened like this and it was onto the best party you could possibly yeah. imagine in your life. It was yeah. just incredible glamorous but not like just really creative glamorous people the music was incredible and it was just like oh some of the best nights there yeah yeah Django Django's first gig was in there as well I was at that yeah because that's John's brother isn't it Dave yeah 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 that's so funny the only thing wrong with Bad to the Bone was when you wanted to get out there and you're completely mashed at the end of the night you had to wait a long time for the lift and you might not get in especially if you had an argument with the bouncer on the way so I you know honestly, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I know. yeah that was bad. It's his fault. No, no, <laughs> we're we're friends. I think he doesn't know it. Let's go. <laughs> I remember that there was an incredibly glamorous bouncer who was exceptionally tall and good looking. <laughs> right. So I was probably thinking about different things to you. When I yeah, was yeah, yeah. We had different reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
But it's 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 it's, uh, it's just so nice to know that we have the same people in common as well. I'm, I'm not yeah, surprised nice. actually. I did wonder when you mentioned. I did see in an interview that you left uh, that you said that you were in art college with two members of the Beta Band, and then I started yep. putting two and two in my head, wondering if it was John McLean. Yeah, no, no, it, it it was, and they were you you know they were so creative. I think to be honest, they have been an influence because it like at the time I didn't think I would ever make music, but I I think it was a part of me that really wanted to. I just wasn't confident enough and, and and stuff and and um they've been a real benchmark of what's possible mm. you know for people that i know to have done that means that it is possible to mm-hmm. do something creative uh, and to get it out there and so um yeah yeah, yeah. john's visuals as well the videos he did for the band and like that one yeah. take video you know that's i don't know what the song Karen, the song is called but that's incredible you know yeah no it was it, they kind of went away for a bit i think they became the aliens. Um, they did, and you know that was um, with is Kenny Anderson's brother. Like, we're Gordon. Getting into Scottish music. Lone Pigeon, Gordon, Fest. yeah, 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 um, and who was an original member of the Beat Band? And yeah, stuff. and um, so it's interesting, but I don't know. I mean, to me, it feels like it'd be really good to revisit some of that now. Mm. Uh, now that because because it, it's the internet's here, and you can go back and look at all the videos and stuff, which I haven't done at all. It'd be interesting to see what's there. Yeah, it's interesting that that all comes from from Scotland as well. Everything like that. So superb creativity, a very very much a bedroom sort of ethic to it as well. But it's high end stuff. Like yeah. be, before you went to college, though, um, are you from a musical family? Then I take it. So my fa- both my parents are were art teachers. Yeah. And were very artistic. And uh, but my father's not really. He was in a jazz band as a drummer and they threw him out because he was crap. You know, oh, like no. he doesn't really have, like he was like, like he, he didn't really know what he was. He looked good, but yeah. he didn't really know what he was doing. Yeah. But my mum is very musical and yeah. learned the piano from like an early age. Yeah. yeah. But she's like, you know, she she played the organ in the church for years for the for the, the Church of Scotland. Mm. And um, and so, and my grandfather and on her side was, um, was a um, a trumpet a trumpeter, or you might have played something like the trombone or something in the yeah. Salvation Army, yeah. you know. So he was part of that sort of brass collective, brass band type thing. Um, so I think there's always been music, but it's been I don't know, it, like part of a community effort. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's part of something that serves the community rather wow. than just yeah. being in inside because it. Yeah, because I think that they're quite related to playing in the church and playing for the Salvation Army. Yeah, that's really nice to think of, isn't it? Like, it's a very community-related thing. Like, we need a bit of this, we need a bit of that. Let's all band together, basically. And yeah, do yeah. And, do. you know, like, the pipe band was probably, like, a community... Now I think back, that's related, because then the, the pipe band was something that the community started themselves in Betty Hill mm-hmm. just for the hell of it and you know like you think about all these pipe bands that have been going for hundreds of years and take it incredibly seriously and it's very regimented and our pipe band was it was pretty free form (laughs) pipe band yeah oh it was it was pretty it was pretty anarchic actually as a pipe band but looking back I have really fond memories of it you know amazing I mean before we leave Betty Hill then let's let's look so for me if I go back to Killarney to play I'm sort of expected to play my most mellow and sort of typical acoustic songs from 20 years ago. How yeah. would you face that now if you were to go and do a gig there? Well, 
Hmm. <laughs> um, I think that they would just ask me to sing the songs that they remember me singing when I used to live there. So it'd be like, oh, oh, yeah. sing, you know, like sing the garlic ones, you know, like so sing Glownagolly, which is a great Betty Hill, um, like a North Coast garlic song. Or, right. Um, there was one called Sweet Afton that I used to, that was like an Irish song. Like that the I used cigarettes. Sing, and then, Sweet Afton. Um, yeah. I don't, is that, oh, I don't know. Flow Gently, Sweet Afton. Yeah. No, no, that might be a Burns. But there was, there was like quite a few, I have a feeling there's some people out there that would still remember. And mm -hmm. they'd just be all, oh, go on, sing that one you used to sing. And it's like, it's actually more than 30 years ago. Yeah. You know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's an odd one, isn't it? But you, you, you clearly took some of that with you when you went when you went to make your album. You know, I think, um, you know, let's let's get on to your album now because mm. all of the influences you've gathered over the years, and and you went to art college. Uh, you obviously so you became a graphic designer in art college. That's I didn't. That's not what happened. Ah, okay. Well, went, tell us I, about that first. Yeah. Well, um, basically, I went to so I did my first degree in Edinburgh I went and did a postgrad in Dundee and I was assistant when when Dundee Contemporary Arts first opened um I worked there first as a gallery assistant and then I was assistant curator wow. <laughs> so I was I was a you know I was an art curator and um and so um I worked there for about a year and then I, then I got a scholarship to the Royal College of Art to go and do contemporary art curation and I, I went down and I, I did the first term and um, it was the first time that I've come across real privilege. I'm going to be honest, you know, like it was it was extreme in its yeah. change of scene for me. And um, I basically I decided in a moment of madness to leave the Royal College of Art and go and take like a B-Tech in graphic design at London College of Printing. And um, and I just, I gave up the scholarship and everything and I just went off. And I just, I just decided both my parents are artists. I'd been in the art world my whole, at that point, adult life. And I needed, to, I needed a change because it was just so removed from real life. And I felt that I needed to go off and just do something very basic and start again, yeah. <laughs> like an idiot. I mean, it, I'm not going to lie, that wasn't, it, it was a very hard move because I, I went from being quite already fairly high up in one industry and doing quite well and everything to being like the absolute lowest of the low. It's, and there, yeah, it was it was a big change. You firebombed the office. It's a it's a it's an interesting one, though, isn't it? Because it sounds like you didn't get the forced value that was put upon that thing that you loved. Is that and then you, you took a sideways route to try and put some value on it or something like that or needed I needed to it it just felt too it just felt like I had been in this this like this this path and I'd never questioned it and I just got to a place I really hadn't expected to get to so it was you know going into um the Royal College meant that you could get into the Turner Prize you know like the the Turner Prize um like the event for yeah. that and you could wander about it or you could um you know, not not the exhibition, but the actual night. Or you mm. could, you know, you you'd go to these exhibition openings, and there'd be all these famous people, models everywhere, and stuff. It was really. I just found it almost. It was almost like it was an overload. I just couldn't quite process it. And um, the difference between the two canteens, the Royal College canteen, where it's 
pre almost predominantly white and lots of polo necks, nice dress, very quiet. And then the first time I went into the London College of Printing canteen where it was just <laughs> chaos, you know, and it's just like people eating pies and it, it, and it was just very different. And I suppose perhaps it was more familiar, you know, yeah. and it, it just, I, and it was, it was sort of like rejecting something because I just couldn't cope with it. It's yeah. not, it was inherently bad. It's just, I just couldn't. Oh, you could say it's, it wasn't your thing, but it's interesting because mm. art art itself is a beautiful thing to look at, but it has its surreal, flawed moments and things like that that make it sort of heartwarming. But if the scenario that you find yourself in to appreciate that is not particularly heartwarming and quite fake and facadish, then what is that to be involved in, you know? That was what I found difficult. Mm. In Scotland, you can get very high-end artists who are still very well you do in England too but the mm. world around them is more yeah. real but in London it it was and it you know it was a very unreal world there was amazing moments like um the Royal College took us all to Cuba this is in 2000 <laughs> no way. so so before before um I know that's how much money there is it's yeah. insane like it, before um really it was you could get access to Havana to go on holiday and um, Americans couldn't fly straight to Havana or anything like that so they had to do these they had to do the special ever for years and years the first ever direct flight to Havana took all these curators and stuff over hmm. from America for um, the Havana Biennale and right. so we went across for this I think it was the first time they'd held it or the second time and uh, yeah we it was absolutely amazing to to be in that world that was that's the thing that i've always taken out of it as being you know exceptional mm -hmm. um experience mm -hmm. and uh, we went one of the things is when when they had the cuban revolution they turned this golf course you know frank sinatra used to play in it and everything and it was very glamorous in the 50s they turned it into an art school an architecture school and a music school and they got this mad artist architect to design each of the buildings so the art college was like a it was like a um temple in the jungle and you went into it and it was just like oh and then the um i can't remember the architecture school so much but the um, music school was a massive tower and yeah. um, and then as you walk towards the music school you could hear all this incredible cuban music coming out and oh, children wow. playing music everywhere and um there was a it was a dance school as well and they you know obviously cuban dances and fate they're famous were, mm -hmm. and it was yeah it was that was it. seeing how much they valued art there was amazing you know they valued um, it in a different way did they well it was i i especially enjoyed the fact that they got rid of a golf course for yeah. me you know, they, like, yeah. and they, they prioritized something completely they said no no this is precious land and we will use it for the cultural future of our country not so that some rich bastards can it's play with a sodding ball. Yeah, it's inclusive, not exclusive. But that's yeah. Did, shortly after that, did you sort of become disillusioned with the with the life you had then? I know maybe, but I don't think that was. I just think I needed to change things, and that's yeah. what I did. And yeah. then and then I had I had a big change, and then I I stepped back from that world, and then I um, just did design for a long time, and then you know, came back to music after, you know, a yeah. good decade. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I guess, again, it's that thing, if, if you've been around something for so long, you might end up not valuing it. 
and actually it would be interesting to speak to John McLean because his father was an artist like mm. you like we and then he went to art college and then he ditched art for music and then he was he's been into film I think he's come back to painting recently I mean I'm mm -hmm. not sure but and um, it would be interesting what he thinks about it now after having gone through all these different ways of trying to get away from that and then finding himself back in it claiming it for himself I guess with his own values yeah you know once you've learned a lot about life you can come back to it maybe yeah you use I mean for yourself then going into doing graphic design um then going to make your album these are all tied in together because you had to record your album in in a strange environment right and isn't that something to do with your graphic design well yes I mean um because it is like I'm very proud of this in a really so you should be yeah in a really random way but also because I think it, it actually slightly makes me want to cry about the old Catherine that had to do this because it like what it makes me feel is that Jesus I really tried hard you know this is this is someone who like had to do something ridiculous mm. in order without any idea if it would be any good or not and and so like um I but basically I was um I was doing graphic design I was working for Marks and Spencer and they have uh, a headquarters at Paddington Basin and it's um you know it's it's a huge open plan building and um uh, so I'd started to make music, but I was um, very restricted in how I could record because I decided to live in a narrow boat, as you know, yeah. Stephen. So, um, and I was I was having a lot of problems with electricity and things. So every weekend, I'd go into Marks and Spencer with my equipment, and then actually after a while, I found a locker that I put it all in. That like you know you know one of these bits of office furniture that no one looks in, yeah. and if they'd looked in it, they would have found my entire recording studio. Oh, that's brilliant! And I would. And I'd just take it out and then set it up in the yeah. middle of the open plan office. Now, you'd have thought that um, someone might have said something, you know, like, but no one ever did. And um, you'd get the security guard would come around occasionally and go, all right, <laughs> like that. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'd, and that would be it. And, and I didn't know, um, apparently, recording in a really big space means that the sound is better. I mean, you'd, you'd know about this, but because there's nothing to bounce back yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. no so, negativity coming back, yeah. So it actually means that you get this really lovely sound. And um, and so, I, you know, I'd spend whole weekends there. And like, I, I think no one ever, like when you hear about people making art or music or stuff, especially when you're younger, you don't realize perhaps the sacrifices that are involved in doing it and how much work is involved. And I mean, that, oh, play a tiny violin for me but but you know I was um I would be looking at the, these huge windows and singing away like this and um, I'd be seeing people sunbathing you know and like yeah. the, all of Paddington Basin going on um you know people out on um those uh you know like standing up you know when you're pad paddle boards uh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the in the canal and all of that and sometimes my boat would be moored outside as yeah. well so like I looked down I could see my own boat and um but I would be in there the whole weekend and I would be you know like perfecting vocals or working out for an entire winter learning how to play the role learning mm. how to program the sounds and um and so often it would mean I was working seven days so I'd be in there all week and then I would be back there at weekends on working on my own 
stuff and I just decided that this is what I needed if I was ever going to finish what mm. I'd started I needed to do it and um and I just I kept going for that whole winter and then I think maybe I contacted you don't know in the spring or so you know I can't remember the exact timings but it once I'd got things to a certain spring. stage yeah and um yeah and, and so when I look back I included on at the very introduction to the whole album there's the bit that that's says um i can't remember it now it's like you know going up third yeah. floor or something you know it's a bit like that but that is me going up and into the and i recorded the whole walk mm. to the desk and everything and then that's all included in the beginning of the mm. album yeah and, that, um, that intro is important isn't it i think yeah yeah it, it is important but like it also makes me smile you know it's just like it's a well, silly joke it's it's an incredible album because it encompasses so many aspects of your life, including your obviously your growing up past and your traditional influences, but where you were in your life. Um, but when you sent me the album, I was absolutely blown away. And there was one there was one lyric in there. It's 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 not a crown, it's a trap. Give it give it back. And that like I still haven't recovered from hearing that. Like that's a monumental lyric. Like what what? And I don't really know what it's about, but I totally empathise with it. What is sometimes if i've i've only sung that live not yeah. that many times and sometimes i actually cry when i think it and um, yeah. i st you know um there's a couple of lyrics in the album that seem to have come like almost like they've come fully formed mm. out of something that i i just have no you know it's not like i consciously thought oh crown that's a great word and mm. you know like it, it's just sort of come completely out and mm. um that song was it's interesting that you talk about it because that one was composed completely in MS. And basically I had that line and then basically I knew that I needed to write screeds. I knew it had to be this flow of words and words and words mm. and words. And I just wrote them all really quickly. And um, they're everything that was going on in my head in those days. So like at the time I was moored I saw a man with Siamese cats I saw you know and it just all came out into this um into this song and I mean I guess I guess sometimes the thing that you think of as being you know without being too I think the thing that you might covet or the thing that you might think might save you might be the thing that could is trapping you you know like it, without getting too you know but if it, it really felt um cathartic that song I'm good at you you know like in terms of um and even as I was making it I didn't know what the, I didn't have any reference of a song that just went on and on like that you know like um apart from oh Superman mm -hmm. you know yeah um which which has that kind of rolling feel mm -hmm. and that I think that was in my head a little bit when I did it that but, was a um, reference wasn't it when you sent it to me I mean that, yeah. that song is it, it is it has that drone nature to it like the bagpiper on the, on the sort of like in Scotland and stuff but lyrically it, it always sounds different every time I listen to it it's quite a, it's quite a, a chameleonic thing and you become you yeah. begin to expect things but then they don't seem to fall in the same place it's a very uh, odd world you've created there you know? Yeah, I would. Mean, I guess you know. Um, there was a huge sense of loss at that time for me because basically I had I I'd lost a relationship that had I was spending ages getting over. You know, yeah. like, and I think I was grieving for 
the person that I thought I was in that relationship, as well as the the relationship itself. You know, like that idea of yourself that you've got to give up sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then also I had had this brilliant studio that was, it was really, you know, it was next to the Roly, um, the Roly Manu, like their their warehouse. Mm. But it was also like the people in it were incredible, and they were all artists. And it was before Dalston, that kind of area got so expensive. We were all forced out basically by property developers who took it over and then did it up and then charged twice as much rent yeah. for people from the city to live there, which is, you know, good luck to them. But but one time, like, um, I was writing music there and it, when I think of this place I, I remember this and I remember how cool it was um, and I got home at two in the morning slightly drunk not gonna lie mm-hmm. and um, there was no soundproofing in the entire building so like essentially I could I could hear everything from everywhere and it was it was an old textile warehouse and um, I stood in the middle of my studio which had unbelievably lovely acoustics because it was just a huge space and I sang this song I think it was pale blue dot and it it was just I was I was sort of I was writing at the time and then I went to sleep and not you know and when I woke up the next morning there was an email from the girl upstairs now and I I said oh "Oh, no and (laughs) it opened it and what it said was and she was Canadian. I'm not going to do the voice. Oh my God, Catherine. Cause he's, Oh my God, Catherine. But she said, um, I'm sending you this email because I don't want to disturb what you're doing downstairs just now. And I just want to let you know that I am grateful that I can be in a place where I can hear this kind of beauty, you know, this kind of creativity and that I embrace it. And that if, you know, like, and, and, and basically it was lovely and well done, you know, like, and it, it wasn't wow. what you would have expected, which was, fucking hell yeah, two yeah. in the morning you know sorry for swearing but like you know and, and it was not like that at all and um, that was the kind of place that it was oh, and it felt amazing. like it felt like a home for me for about eight years and um on the album there's a little bit by Susumu Mukai who is who was my next door neighbor for eight years and he's an incredible musician he's he plays with hot chip and you know he mm-hmm. plays with lots of people and he does his own things and he's now in a band called vanishing twin and um but um he was next door so he was always there to talk to and he was the person that got me into veganism and you know really vegan and yeah yeah, yeah. and um, so losing that space when we did lose it and we tried quite hard we you know we i i had to make a speech at the um the, the council, you know, like a mm. planning department and everything like that. We tried, to, but none of it worked. They were no. you know, definitely going to, and um, and so when I wrote that the the um, uh, the crown, um, there was a huge sense of loss for all these things in my life that I'd lost, and I just felt that I was in this corporate nightmare. I was working every day. I was doing, and I'd lost all the magic from all these things, you know, like, and, and I'd sort of discarded them without really appreciating what they were. Mm. And so really a lot of the lyrics are about places that I loved and things that had happened in the past or, or maybe not always loved, you know, and, and just, um, and trying to almost process it, you know, like, and um, so I think sometimes that's, there is a sense of loss in it and of um Yeah. I, I, w- I would take from the album there's there's a fair sense of loss from it there's mm. uh, a sense of acceptance in there there's an observational 
angle to it of events in your life that, that seem random yet seem it seems like you're getting snapshots while you're thinking about something else you're getting things happening around you to sort of bring you back to normality i feel that in the album there's obviously mm. an immense amount of beauty in there as well um, but then you get to um harbor of grudges which is okay that that's i mean obviously the concept is monumental the lyrics are monumental the mm. subject matter has got to be very personal in that song isn't it yeah i, I mean so when I used to sing Gaelic songs, the thing about a Gaelic song is that it's like, used to, so there's moments in, in that album where I'm not taking myself so seriously, yeah. but like with, but I, I joke around a lot, but, oh, and I, but I, at the same time, I'm a serious person. Yeah. And in, when I used to sing Gaelic songs, there's this timeless gravitas and um, the best Gaelic singers have it as well. And when I used to sing a Gaelic song, like, like, him. Um, Gaimnagoli or like some of these, um, everyone would give it incredible amounts of respect. You know, you'd be at a party, everyone's drunk, get up, sing Gaimnagoli. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a respect for the music and there's a respect for the singer and the singer has respect for the song. And it's just, it's all there. And um, with Harbour of Grudges, I wanted to give, to create a song that gave respect to the subject matter and then, but also that I could stand up and sing it without any accompaniment. I can, you know, I could stand up the same way as I would sing a Gaelic song mm. without any, I can just sing it a cappella. And if, and, and I, I really wanted, because those songs are, the Gaelic songs are so strong, they don't need anything. And you don't even need to understand the word. You don't even mm -hmm. need to understand Gaelic for them mm. to still be. And I, I suppose it, like, I hoped that I could create something like that that really had that sort of feel, mm. and um, yeah, and then and then it was really hard to know what to do with it because it's like, what do you do with it? You know, like it's adding even the smallest things to it. It's quite a big deal, you know. Like, um, yeah. and you did a brilliant job of, you know, it's just like um, of of weaving through all like adding things that that felt right. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the right thing to add to your album was nothing in many cases, you know, and that took a lot no. of work to add nothing. You know, it's 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 um, it was trying to hold it and harness it with respect to the traditional elements that are in there because they're hugely powerful to give the lyrics the space to sort of jump out. But to pay tribute to what you're talking about, that sort of like the room is silent, the singer is singing. Even if you don't understand the words, you're, you're channeling an emotional um, thread for people to sort of join into, you know, and to feel. And you have to pay tribute to that, but you also had to take it to some sort of an experimental place as well to fit it into the album. So you are, you're weaving elements together. It's a difficult thing to do. You did it so well in that album. Uh, obviously, it's been getting the praise that it's 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 deserved and stuff. And then you signed, you signed the distribution with Hudson Records, right? I, d I did. And um, I did, and uh, that was that was amazing. Like yeah. um, because because uh, they're such a brilliant, you know, they're a brilliant record label. And I have, to, I probably don't fit on it really in terms of because everyone else they've got is very traditional, and mm. um, so um, you know they've got Alistair Roberts on there and the the yeah. Faro Collective, yeah. and they've got like, um, uh, oh I've, oh no, I forgot their name, but is like Karen like Polworth on there as well. Yeah, is she? she's yeah. on there, mm. um, and. Um, and then Andy Bell, who mm. is the producer, like so, he's he runs the record label, but he's also an incredible producer, and he's mm. 
produced so many of the top folk albums over the last, you know, however many years. Mm. And um, they also did a really beautiful project recently. Uh, so I went before lockdown and before everything got really, really crazy last year they had this concert at the royal albert hall and it was for the it was called ah oh, it's the book of lost songs spell songs lost, that's it yeah. and um they had an amazing concert there and that was the first time i actually met andy in person because right. <laughs> yeah. like um, before that we'd just been in contact over the phone and yeah and um i mean i sent i basically thought I'd, i didn't even really know what i needed and um i had maybe about four or five record labels that I thought might might be the right sort of thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one of them was Olive Grove, which is, a, I think they're out of Glasgow, might be Edinburgh. So they were a little Scottish label. And then, um, and then there was Hudson and then there was some others, but no one else replied. Um, and, um, but uh, Andy got in touch and he was just like, he, you know, he said, that he gets a lot of people sending him stuff, all record labels do all the time. And he said, uh, you know, this is the first time I've thought this might be a good idea, mm-hmm. you know? And he said, and he loved the album and he mm. he re, um, he did a radio edit of London's Changing yeah. as a special, cause he just wanted to work on it. He said, you know, like change it. And, um, and, they, and they were really helpful with all the mechanics of releasing an album and I, you know, like I probably did everything in the wrong order, but they mm. were just brilliant about what to do and how to do it and, and everything. And um, I guess for me, the I mean, I know the timings for everyone with the COVID has been really bad, but it probably did stop a lot of, you know, because I just got going and it was November, I'd released the album mm. and there was lots of things planned for the following summer and for the year. And then everything mm. just got, you know, put on, the back burner yeah the wind is out of your sails now i guess somewhat yeah but maybe you know like it's definitely planning something new well let's 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 give a positive message to the album though because you did you went into your own environment to record it you did it you know with some limited tools and you came out with a monumentally appreciated and brilliant work of art that that i think is 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 the message there is for people that if you have something to say you'll find a way to say it. Right? Absolutely. And, and like the thing is, because also I think, I don't know if, um, you don't know what you're doing when you start and then you slowly put more and more time into something and mm-hmm. then it's almost, and you get to a point where you might give up, I think, because you think this feels like so much to go. It's like, it's almost impossible. And, um, and also with, pardon me, the not knowing how it would get, you know, like, the reception that it got was incredible mm. and I, but also totally unexpected it's not like i expected that you know like obviously you hope for things but you don't the chances are it would have been something that i did and then it you know it, it, it sort of just disappears and that's mm. and that's fine that would have been fine mm. and um it still would have been worth doing and um but definitely i think if i could go back and tell myself something it would be just keep going yeah. you're doing all right just yeah. have faith in yourself and don't let doubt get you know yeah you did you had to keep going but i think you um you you also were involved in the lantern society right in london was this was that something you were involved in for a long time because i spoke to gabriel last week obviously and he's i know a, a very yeah. important figure in people's lives and music you know and supportive so for you that must have been a wonderful thing to be part of as well it was 
Um, so I was, so, so I, I'd originally been involved in a songwriting collective. Um, so like, um, basically I won an award, like really early on when I was first writing. Yeah. And um, I won, like basically it was for a song called Cash for Gold. And it was a song, it was, it was a burn song is a charity that's meant to encourage Scottish music. And um, I sent the song off and it was one of the first songs I'd ever written. And I didn't really read what was, <laughs> so like, cause I just sort of, I thought I'd get feedback and that, you know, I might get something. And what I got instead was I won the award. <laughs> so like, oh. um, but so what happened was it was, the prize was to go um, and uh, be part of this festival of songwriting. And it was held in this, country house in the middle of nowhere in mm. Scotland and they had international songwriters come from all over and it was a whole week-long thing and um and you know I had a paid place on this thing I didn't even take a guitar because at the time I couldn't play a guitar and I just sort of <laughs> turned tur I turned out with my laptop and um wow. and stuff and it, but the people that I met there were incredible and we'll we're my my roommate was someone called Becky Wallace, who mm. is now like the most incredible force of nature in Scottish music. And um, at the time she was still at college, music college, but she's now, you know, like, or I think she's at the University of, of Scotland studying an MA in music, to be accurate. Right. But like, um, but now yeah. she's like, she organizes stuff and does loads. But we started a collective, a songwriting collective. And I organized one of the first gigs in London for us. And it was downstairs from the Lantern Society. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I met, I, I eventually met Gabriel. And because uh, I had to write to them to let them know that we were organizing another night on the same night. Oops. And uh, ah. we would be downstairs. And yeah, so, yeah. so some of them, I remember them coming down and, yeah. and watching us at, after the Lantern had finished. And, and uh, so I ended up then playing at the Lantern and meeting Gabriel. And then um, just, I mean, I met my current partner through that whole scene and yeah. just um and it it was like it was everyone was creative um you know a lot of the people that that were playing there have gone on to be like adam Beatty, jeremy taplin all these people that are mm. doing quite well and mm. um and um yeah, it was just it, it was just lovely to be part of it and also to have regular to play live regularly um it was not and not that's not natural for me um mm -hmm. So certainly to begin with, I found it really nerve wracking. And um, and you just, you get up, you do it to an appreciative audience. It was quiet, you know, like, an, and um, Gabriel, he managed to create something which is that it wasn't an open mic, that the standard of people was really, really good. And you'd get someone who'd come along and be like, crikey, better at my game. Mm -hmm. They are really mm. good, you know, like, and, and um, he was always finding new characters that were like sort of you know like like that were interesting and mm. and creative and and um you know he created a really brilliant scene which i mean the the i was meant to be head i was meant to be headlining with my band the kisses at the lantern the week before we went into lockdown and then right. you know and then and so that that would have been lovely to have been able to go back and play and just be with everyone and stuff and then oh yeah that was i think yeah. it was a day or two before lockdown and yeah. we just we had to call it a day this is the um this is the part that we need to sort of revive this this 
this is proving ground for songs, essentially, isn't it? But it's not it's not a baptism by fire. It's a baptism by hugs. You know, there's a sort of like there's a curation there and there's a sort of there's an advice and a community of like minded people. Like you say, with Becky yeah. Wallace as well, that's that's something that she's doing in Scotland at the moment, yeah. I presume. This this doesn't obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic or not even maybe not even halfway through we don't know at this point what's going on mm. but we are communicating you know i think that we can we can certainly do things uh whether it be via the internet or what and play together you know in certain ways it's something gabriel's up for and i think people of the podcast are up for doing it so i'm gonna do it we're gonna just hang out somehow using zoom or something and just sort of do something like that you know are you up for that yeah, I, I totally. So I did my first. So through Becky Wallace. So yeah. what, so I've moved. I've moved to Glasgow now. I'm not in London yeah. anymore. Yeah. And um, she um she got lover. She looked at this flat for us because I couldn't. You know, we yeah. couldn't actually be there in person. And um and said yes, you you should take this one. And um she's been bigging me up to all the Scottish music people all the time. She's been absolutely fantastic. And um and actually you she was at my you know my kind of soft launch before the actual I, I album saw launch. her playing yes so she was she was there and um she she was my support on yeah. that night and um she just had a second child and yeah. um i think was coming out of some like it's very hard as a woman at that stage when you're you're like to be out gigging and making music and she was just coming back into it and mm. stuff and yeah she did a really raw performance i thought a really brilliant performance mm. at the time and um so anyway live streaming there's um she's knows everyone and there there is a in in, in glasgow there there is a radio station called now that's what you call radio or something mm. but they created this whole series of podcasts during lockdown mm. and they were um producing content every day and so uh I was firstly I I went to the actual tv studio and did a performance for them there which was amazing it was just like oh. a and that was that was it i think that was um i'm not sure what that was for christmas special or something yeah but then we did a discussion of female musicians and we did a live stream and it was the first one that i've ever done i really enjoyed it and i actually thought it was far more like a real gig than i had anticipated it would be mm. and the the talk between the different musicians was really fascinating mm. and then hearing everyone play and um I just, I really, I, I think that if they're done well, they're really, really have you been watching the Green Note? Because they've been doing a live stream. Some of them, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely doable and it exists as a medium for everybody to enjoy, you know. We just, we just need to keep it going because I don't know if whatever was considered normal is coming back for a long time, you know. But that doesn't mean that we're not as mm -hmm. driven or more driven than we ever were, you know, to do these things. So we Yeah, we I mean, I, I think it's good to take maybe res more responsibility for our own yeah you, you, you know because that's what we, we've got if um you know we've got we've got a platform and we ha we've got a place to put content for but mm. want of a better expression mm. and um i think you know now that i've got a f flat rather than living in a boat and then mm. i'm able to put together the technology better i'm definitely thinking that I want to put some things out now, you know, like, because you were really good. You were doing something practically every them. day for a while. I, I was busy at it, you know, but I, it was, it felt like I wasn't pushing it in the right direction. Um, right. But and I don't know what happened to me. I crashed and disappeared for a while, you know, that happens from time to time. 
but I'm back you now. Know, it's not uh, sure. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'm back and I'm sort of like, I'm going to do it again. This is like, I'm doing the podcast. I'm enjoying talking to people and I'm, it, it's feeding me with so much positivity for what's ahead of us, you know, because yeah. this was in speaking to Gabriel, like we're just getting started with what we need to do. Our mission is to cre- keep music, mm-hmm. making amazing music, keep inspiring people to make music, provide platforms for people to do something with their music and encourage ingenuity and expression, you know, and true expression from the person. No matter yeah. how you do it, whatever means you use to create it, it has to come from you, you know. Mm. So I feel good about, I'm going to do a live stream for myself soon, but I think we should all sit down and do a little meeting as well and have a have a play around and just chat and yeah. uh, throw we some do. things in the fire, you know. Yeah. We're so up for that. I mean, because I, I do think, like, it's not, sometimes if you're, um, like, you know, make music or something, you think that it's a frivolous thing that isn't, you know, like somehow is less important than mm. obviously, obviously it is less important than if you're a nurse. Mm. But actually, once you've got, you know, like certain things looked after, what is the point of any of it? You know, like the thing that's got me through practically all the worst points of my life has been music. And you know, like, and, and those people that have created it, if they'd said to me, oh, it's not really very important, I'd have, you know, like kind of poked them in the eye and told mm. them, yes, it is, you mm. just, you, and so like, it's almost a responsibility if that's getting really listen it's a it's a responsibility it is a right but it doesn't stop with the individual i think that it's a right and 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 it should be enjoyed by absolutely every person on the planet so i think it's it's sometimes mysterious enough for people to go that's not for me i can't do that what's the value in it you know but it's it's healing powers for the individual even if nobody ever hears it for yourself it's a hugely important thing Mental yeah. health wise, you know what I mean? Oh, it drives us crazy. But if it didn't drive us crazy, we'd be nuts. You know what I mean? So it's a, it, it should be said that we should try and open it up for other people to be able to enjoy it as well, you know? Yeah, no, 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 totally. And I do think technology is like, yes, it, it can remove people from things as well. But like, it, it, it is really um, an amazing opportunity, like, you know, mm. to get I don't know, to, to create your own worlds. You know, mm. I mean, you just have to look at what Gabriel did with Adam and Fiona and Samantha, you know, when they, they did that, those beautiful series of concerts in the mm-hmm. St. Catherine's Chapel. Mm. And they, you know, th- that was um, just lovely. And I, I was lucky enough to get to go to Samantha's one. Oh, wow. And, um, wow. Um, you know, the, it's, the space is just beautiful, yeah. but they managed to translate it in, onto the internet really, really yeah. well yeah. and created something that looked really beautiful and special from the screen as well, yeah. you know, and sounded amazing and everything. Yeah, and then, the, the genuine nature of their expressions to one another and the fact that it was just so full of life and so positive. I really was yeah. very emotional watching that as well. And that's, that's yeah. all ahead of us, you know. Um, what what are you are you working on a new album? What are you going to do? Um, so I kind of well, I was joking that I'm working on a Christmas album, ah, yeah. which is not it's not a joke, but it is um, uh, b- basic, but it's like a side project. So yeah. I do have like um, I took before everything happened, I took six months off last year, yeah. and I was out with my boat in the middle of the English countryside, and I wrote a lot of songs which are quite probably quite different. To what was I was doing before, um, and uh, so those are still ongoing. Plus, new songs that I wrote at the beginning of the pandemic, I suppose, like you know, mm. like that that period during the summer, the early summer, mm. and um, but but then as and, and that's kind of 
um, there's one, so I wrote some very strange songs, obviously. Um, and um, there's, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I should say too much about it, but, but so there's, there's kind of that is going on, which mm. is quite surreal. But then also um, over Christmas, I realized how important Christmas is. Mm. And like the, perhaps the symbolic nature of it as a original pagan thing mm -hmm. and uh, myself and Chris when we moved into the, this flat we um got a piano mm -hmm. and um so we and we were we're part of a, we write song like part of the songwriting thing where we you know like put songs in if um and and talk about them on like a Saturday night and uh, so I did a joke one which was a uh, and originally it was meant to be it was a uh, uh, Father Bromley, so that's Chris, and yeah. then um, I'm I'm the sister of Percy, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we were like basically I was like you know like trying to like get him to play the piano like you know one of those oldie timey like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. as if we were in some very like small kind of Protestant cult in like you know like um you know like the 1890s or something blah, 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 mm -hmm. like that and then we'd be singing this kind of weird. Uh, Christmas carol um, and then when we actually it was meant to be a total joke and then when we recorded it I swear to god it was like the sweetest thing you have ever heard wow. and it's not it's not pay, it's like it's not Christmas because I'm not you know I, I put aside religion myself personally mm -hmm. but um, the pagan some symbolisms of so much of it but also when we were walking about Glasgow because that's all you can do um, at Christmas time. Just this forest of trees. You know, like there's like a tree in every window and all these lights. Yeah. And at qu what was a very dark time, I think, like, you know, for, for the whole, everyone, the whole community, then all these lights suddenly appearing just round about the darkest day of the year. To me, this is a bit of, it's like, oh yeah, that's what Christmas is about, isn't it? It's about trying to bring something to this period where everything's at its darkest and deadest mm -hmm. and bleakest and and um, so in all seriousness i do think i might try and do something for next year which is about that and is trying to bring some of these pagan kind of ideas and create something that isn't religious which fulfills the function of christmas songs i mean we're obviously not talking you know like a uh, um a uh, you know I don't know what you know, like one of these like pop ones. Not like I love a, a good uh, Christmas yeah, pop Yeah, sure. This is Christmas like, according um, to Catherine Rudy and yeah, Father Bramley. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So well, it'll probably be a bit different. Let's say let's obviously your partner Chris Bramley is an incredible musician who can probably turn his hand to any instrument. So you're not you're not lacking there in skills, are you? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. No. I've kind of lacked out on that one. Yeah. So it's like yeah. It's yeah. just like you know. Um, He's never, he's hardly played the piano for years, I think. And then I'm like, just play it, just play it. And then, you know, within about 30 seconds, he's got it down and perfectly. And it's me that's making the mistakes. And, yeah, he's, you know, he's, all of that. he's next level, isn't he? And then mm. some, yeah. How is he taking to the cold of Scotland? Oh, just like a, like a, like a fish. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> um, no, he's, he's, um, well, I don't know. He, he's pretty, all pretty Nordic stock, I would yeah. say, with his like quite, blonde red hair um yeah. no he's he's like he loves it you know yeah. i mean um i think we were ready to get out of london when we left um mm. you know especially given how quiet it is now but like i think we just needed somewhere new and open and places where we can work mm. and um london was just becoming 
really when we tried to find somewhere that would have workspace for us it was really hard and mm. um i think just a new a new place where we could both you know like explore and and um uh yeah i, I, I mean I, I don't know because it's so difficult to talk about being in Glasgow when we've hardly done anything apart yeah. from walk around the city. Like it's been shut the entire time that we've been here. Yeah. So like, you know, like it'll be really interesting when it opens up and there's suddenly this whole new city and we've just seen the architecture. Um, yeah, it's know. like you've got a present in the corner of the room but you've only looked at the wrapping paper and you've got no idea what's inside it, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, it could, yes, it could, it could be a whole series of different things. I, don't, I mean, you know, like, who knows? You know, it's just like, um, I, I mean, obviously all gigs will open up, things will, you know, it's just like you have no idea until we get yeah. there. Fingers we don't crossed. Know. You know? We don't know. We just have to keep being creative. So you've been able to be creative during the pandemic. That's that's the important thing. Yes, I have. I've worked yeah. full time through it as well. Yeah. So, but, but, um, you know what we were talking about earlier in the sense that if you get a brief you mm. it helps you so the entire becky wallace god lover started a group through the so um songs from lockdown yeah. and um um she invited uh songwriters that she knew to begin with and then it kind of snowballed i think there's about 150 people now wow um yeah. but not everyone participates and they they might do the so basically every week during lockdown for about 11 weeks we had tasks so like someone would say you know you'd get you'd nominate someone to do the task for the, the following week and they would say like my my task for everyone was write a song which incorporated a non-musical instrument and they all hated me and then you know like but but there, there were some great tasks there was like um to do a goth song which was oh, one yeah. of my favorites <laughs> and um and so essentially you didn't have to follow the rules, but it, honestly, just having that to work to each week meant that, I mean, we ended up, I mean, some people had, because there was like you, two tasks a week and people that weren't working and that was all that they had to do. Mm. They probably had 20 or 30 songs at the end of that that time. Mm -hmm. I, got, I got about 10, but I, I'd, you know, like it was, I definitely wouldn't have done as much if I hadn't had that structure. And um, we're going to do it again, you know, our first meeting is at the end of this month and then we'll try and do it throughout February. And see where is this uh, Where is this available for enjoyment? Where can it be heard? Well, um, so there's a Facebook page, Songs mm. from Lockdown. Yeah. Um, and uh, so if you Google that out, cause it, a link and affiliated to this, you know, like yeah. this thing. We'll I'll send you the here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, no, but um, uh, I can send you the details. But Please it's songs do. from lockdown. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think it's called this. There's something else that's called as well, which makes it really complicated. But um, okay. Uh, oh, it, that's really annoying. But I'll find out for you and tell you properly. Please do. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's join, Stephen. If you've got time on your hands because it it's really spending time talking about songs yeah. and listening to people's songs um we've met so many incredible people through it i and, definitely um, want to join that that sounds mm. brilliant yeah i've got a songwriting workshop next week with chris difford he's put on a songwriting workshop so that's, ah. it's an interesting one because you know you pair off into a room but you don't you do it via zoom obviously and then it's very difficult to sort of write a song like that but it's a challenge yeah. and I'm enjoying the somewhat 
to take a subject and write about it. I don't normally work like that, but I'm I'm trying to expand as a writer in that regard, you know, so definitely up for that sort of stuff. You'd be amazed. Like I would have, before I did this sort of thing, and then Chris had never done it and he was really um, sceptical if it would work for him. Mm. And then once he started to get involved, he, it, you know, enjoyed it more than me, I think, and, and produced some really brilliant songs. Nice. And the thing is, you just, although you've got a starting point you and you might not, enjoy you like it's like what do you mean goth song I, I'm not a goth <laughs> and then you and then you try it and I mean honestly my goth song sounds nothing like goth but what it what it did do was end up being interesting in its own you know, like because mm. it's it's forced me to go in a slightly different direction and then I've ended up um doing something that I probably would never have tried does it still exist on the internet that song no it's oh. not so so so, so like um, I've taken a lot of it down. Like, yeah. so there was there was a playlist that used to come out, and um, but I didn't participate in it. Um, partly, I, I did I did at the beginning, and then I took them down partly because I did feel some of these are getting quite good, and I might you mm -hmm. know like I might want to do something with this, and then perhaps this you know like yeah you know yeah. I'd, I'd rather save it a, for a bit and rather than have this really early version. That's Although a that's a good probably, reaction. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably being too precious. Well, you're in the middle there. You're like, oh, I don't care about it. I'll let it let it live there. Or I really care about it. I won't let it live there. You know, this uh, the middle ground is hard to find. Yeah. 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 But do you, um, do you have anything you'd care to play now? Would you feel like playing? Oh, don't, my God. <laughs> don't feel any pressure to play at all now. Of course, like we can play another time. Like, but just before we sign off. I didn't off, know. I didn't know that you were well, going to do that. You can do. But. Um, well, no I'll give it. A sh I'll give it a shot. Please like. do. Um, but I need to get my guitar. That's so, like, fine. One moment. Go for it, Catherine. Thank you. You'll see me in my pajama bottoms now. Oh, nice. No one mentioned this part. <laughs> <laughs> they don't look like pajama bottoms. No, they don't. Because they're, they're, <laughs> they're. Anyway, I won't go into them. They're from Uniqlo. Fair enough. So like, right, okay, hold on. I'll just have to do a... Cool. I used to take the um, mech out of Chris all the time for spending half of his gigs tuning. Because he does all these different tunes. Nick Drake was the same, different tuning for every song. Joni Mitchell. For, for ages I had a rule, in fact I still have it, which I never use. I just use straight tuning. Yeah, I've, I've started to do that, but then I'm like, hmm, I really like to drop the string and do this, that, and the other, you know? It's nice. I'm all over the shop with that sort of stuff. So only only recently um, have I used a capo. Before I had a rule that I didn't even use a capo. Oh, dude, that's, that, wow, that's hardcore. I know, but I didn't know that. <laughs> Were you the solo member like... of the anti-capo brigade? <laughs> well, it's not because I, like, apparently it's a thing when people say, oh, you've got to make the chords yourself. And, yeah. um, but it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't that so much as it just felt like a bit, I don't know. Um, so I'm going to try this, a new song and then, oh, okay. This is what the internet's for. That's right. So like, so. Um, Sharpen, a sharp pain, 
inside my pocket Good luck, I've got it I swear I saw a perfect leaf Spiral on the autumn breeze Land inside my pocket Twelve months, good luck so nice i can't believe you played me a new song as well it's, it's not even finished it's what 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 did you say you're a spider web the glasgow streets yes i did say that it's such a, an amazing image to hold in my mind oh yeah i mean um you know that way when it felt very natural to play it because you know when you're doing a new song you just mm. play it over and over so that's the only one in my mind oh. when you asked me yeah but um well, it's got. You, know, it's you got, never know how. You know. No, it's got. It's got your style written all over it as well, which is very, very nice to hear. Your lovely oh, melodic sense and your voice and everything. I'm really excited to hear that. Oh, great! Well, you know, it's coming your way, dude. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> well, no, no, totally. I, I know we haven't talked about it. It's, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I would work with you again in a heartbeat. I, I just want to say, I fantastic. I loved working on your album, and it did come at a strange time for me because. My brother died, and it was a weird one because, like, I I remember being in Ireland, and and I remembered this the other day, and I was listening to the mixes of your album, and my brother was there, and he was listening to it as well, and he was like, "This is really good," and I was like, "This is great, I'm going to work on this," and then came back, and then he obviously killed himself, and it's just it was a really dark end to the podcast. I don't want it to be. It was, but it was for me. It kept me going in a very strange time, and and I found your words and your unique way of saying things and singing things was a a huge fuel, but it was. Uh, it was quite a hard time to work on a record, but I'm I'm just glad it was that one, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I knew that. I'm really pleased that you said that because you know, um, I was very aware that it was a hard time for you, and mm. I was totally prepared for just for us to sort of like leave, you know, like you know, um, and you didn't do that, and mm. um, I I always worried 
that it was like quite stressful <laughs> and um, you know that and, and then obviously it might have added to your stress and um but I'm, I'm glad that it, it wasn't like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it didn't add to my stress. I think I was more stressed out afterwards, but at the time I was making the record, I wasn't stressed out about the record ever. Mm, I think mm. after that, I realized you needed, I needed to take a little bit of a, of a break from producing. But at the time, I was very glad to be able to do it. And it was, it was a, yeah, I, I just wanted to do it justice. That's what I wanted to do. Mate, you did it. I, I, I don't think I've ever, like, um, I think, I haven't listened to it for quite a while, actually, because you know that that stage where you've you've listened to something so much and then you mm. put it away. And um, but the, I think the the last time I listened, I was just like, you know, I was thinking about like for for example, London's changing. Mm. I remember getting that mix from you know, like that first yeah. and, and and London's changing. Like not all the songs came to you nearly finished, and that's one of the ones that was just a total sketch. And yeah. when it came back, I remember dancing around my kitchen, <laughs> like my friend's kitchen, and we were dancing away. And this is fucking fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah. And you know, and that was like the first, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and what you added to London's Changing was just like really, really, it transformed that song into something which is just, you know, like it's almost a pop song, but it's like still really interesting. And um, I think, you know, yeah, I, I was really, I was very, very pleased and proud of that end result. And it, no Brilliant. way would it without you i think i think we combined very well but i think under the under the non-stress of of the next if we do work together in the future i think we could do an amazing job as well so you know if you ever want to talk to me about it i'm here always well, well yeah 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 no, totally I, I just need to okay i think the next couple of months are recording that's my plan so yeah. i've got everything set up and 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 i don't have to do a day mns anymore yeah. and uh, and just work on vocals and and um, getting the songs to that same stage that sort of mm. sketch stage and then you know and then yeah i um I, I also was really hopeful to bring in i don't know this is something like maybe start to bring in some traditional musicians mm. into it mm. so like um with the more experimental mm. side of it and um i'm sort of in thinking about how i might be able to incorporate that into some of the music yeah but, um, that's a great idea that's a great idea go with your go with your gut instinct um catherine some thank you so much for coming on the show and tapping the floor I, mean, I really really appreciate talking to you and thank you so much for asking me, it's been, it's been really good. It's been lovely to actually <laughs> chat for an hour and a half as well, you know. Crikey, yeah. Yeah, that, that flew by. Yeah. 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 Well, um, um, yeah, good luck with everything. Um, it really, would be really great if we could do some sort of uh, like a live stream thing. I think that would yeah. be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to set that up in the next couple of weeks and I'll let you know what's the story with that. I give my best to Chris and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll chat to you really soon, okay? Yeah. All right. Cheers. Take care. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. What a wonderful experience. And special thanks to Catherine, really, for playing me a song. Uh, it, it's uh, You can hear in, in the song that her voice is so, I don't know, it's so pure and, and, and so unique. But also it comes, the inflections, it all comes from that sort of, I guess, global position that she hails from. Yet she has obviously absorbed so many influences in her life, but that still is a huge part of it. Um, and it's wonderful to have spoken to her about the, the origins of bagpipe music, these kind of things. 
as you can see, there's a really, really healthy element of creativity still massively powering this industry forward. So no matter what happens, we're still here making music. We're still here being ourselves within this bracket of being creatives and music makers. What I want you to know is that you can be creative. You have to tap into who you are. If you want to stick your head into the ocean and scream your head off, that's a brilliant thing to do right now, you know. But just absorb the reflections of that moment uh, and, and, and love doing that. Be free. Be free to scream into the wind. And don't let anybody judge you. Don't judge yourself. Just be free. Be creative. And I hope you can come next time to Tapping the Flow. Feel free to subscribe, whatever you want to do. Leave a comment. Uh, I'm always open to suggestions and I'm always open to try and spread some creative love. So again, thanks from me. I'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.